This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Now, this is not going to be pretty. We're talking violence, strong language, adult content. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hi, it's Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to your Boo Crew Podcast, episode 386. Seven, thank you for choosing to spend some of your time with us. If you like what you're hearing, we'd appreciate it endlessly if you could rate and write a quick review on Apple Podcasts and introduce yourself. It's an awesome way for us to connect with you, and we'll read your review and shout you out on an upcoming show. Let's start off by taking a quick look at This Week in Horror. New and streaming Lionsgate brings you Cannibal Cabin. A mysterious woman tells five young people about a secret music festival in the middle of nowhere. They get lost en route and end up in a creepy cabin. This comes from director Louis Lisa Warren and is out now. A young couple moves to the small town of Hopewell, Kentucky to find their house is haunted. Oh boy, it's Hopewell haunting for the folks at Dark Sky. If werewolves are your jam, Scream of the Wolf, a.k.a. Wolf Manor, called an ode to American werewolf in London, is on your TV screens. The cast and crew of a British horror movie begin disappearing during filming. Hulu's got Jagged Mind on Thursday, June 15th, following a woman who finds she is stuck in a bunch of time loops that may or may not be related to her mysterious new girlfriend. Friday the 16th, Wrath of Becky arrives straight from the theater to your living room via voodoo. Your jaw will be on the floor with this one. It is terrific with an amazing special guest. See it, see it, see it. Saturday, free on Tubi, play dead. A woman fakes her own death to break into a morgue to try and save her brother. Longtime Wes Craven editor and director of movies including Drive Angry, Trick, My Bloody Valentine 3D, and more is behind the wheel for this one. Patrick Lucier is his name. Bailey Madison and Jerry O'Connell star. The trailer for this is pretty mind-blowing. Really looking forward to this. Finally, opening in theaters, The Blackening, a horror comedy about a group of friends who reunite for a Juneteenth weekend getaway to realize they are trapped in their remote cabin with a sadistic killer. New in horror comics, horror invades the DC Universe with their Night Terrors series among the amazing cover designs and stories. Night Terrors Poison Ivy 1 hits your local comic store July 4th, Catwoman July 18th, and Harley Quinn July 25th. Archie Horror Camp Pickens is three horror stories in the Archie Universe in an anthology format out this month. And Marvel announced a four-issue limited run of Predator vs. Wolverine coming out in September. In Severed Headlines, Cineverse, Bloody Disgusting, and Screambox acquire Terrifier 3 with a wide theatrical release planned. The Boogeyman and Yellow Jacket star Sophie Thatcher has signed on to star in the new Zack Kreger-produced sci-fi horror film Companion for New Line, Zack being the writer and director of Barbarian. So, you know, anything with his name on it is going to be exceptional. A trailer arrives for a remake of Spider-Baby. Didn't even know about this one. Jack Hill's 1967 classic, one of our personal favorites. Stars Lon Chaney Jr. and Sid Haig. The remake comes courtesy of filmmaker Dustin Ferguson. It's got an October release planned with Jack Hill as executive producer. Lon Chaney Jr.'s grandson, Ron Chaney. Genre fave Brink Stevens and Beverly Washburn from the original film All Star. To watch the trailer and for all your horror news, it's bloody-disgusting.com. All right, and on with the program, you are joined by the musical genius known as Soccer Mommy. Fresh off a recent tour stop in L.A., Sophie Allison stops by the Speakeasy studio to talk 
all about her love of horror. She covers her faves from Suspiria to Jennifer's Body and House of the Devil. Explore the wonders of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and find out the recent horror franchise she'd love to do the score for. She also lets you in on how the horror influence trickles through her music, including her fantastic and absolutely cinematic new album, Sometimes Forever, a must-listen that's available everywhere. There are some tracks on this thing that legit sound like you are walking around barefoot in a Victorian haunted house. She is certainly able to pull beauty out of the darkness in pretty incredible ways. Catch her on tour now. Episode 387 with Soccer Mommy is now slaying. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio is an immensely gifted storyteller, making music since she was only five years old. At 17, she invested in a digital recorder and started posting some of her homespun magic onto Bandcamp. People fell heartfirst into an anthology of prose that was elegantly purgative. And this eventually led to a record deal and live shows and tours alongside Slow Dive, Phoebe Bridgers, Paramore, Vampire Weekend, Liz Fair, and more. She repackaged those initial recordings into 2017's collection and went on to release her debut studio album, Clean, in 2018. It was instantly regarded as record of the year from the biggest music publications and tastemakers in the world, from the New York and LA Times to Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, Noisy, and Countless others. It continued to showcase her ability to offer timeless introspection and emotional vulnerability with so much poignancy and charisma that it literally brought some reviewers to tears as the music transported them back to their first high school makeout sessions or face-to-face <laughs> with confronting their own anxieties washed with the powerful mystique of nostalgia. Her sophomore record, Color Theory, was once again heralded as one of the best albums of one of the worst years in the collective conscious of our lifetime, 2020. Its timing and solace shot it to the top of the billboard charts. Most recently, she let us in on Sometimes Forever and the songs that would make up her third album. The massive press attention continued. She graced the stages of Jimmy Fallon and Kimmel once again, making the best of list for no less than 20 industry blogs and trades. Sometimes Forever is a masterpiece through and through. A clash of romance and darkness brought to life with production so rich your mind can very much live inside each groove under the needle. I love this quote from Lindsay Jordan from Snail Mail, who beautifully commented that her lyrics itch a spot that you can't reach. She's one of the best songwriters today. Celebrating her music and her undeniable passion for the horror genre, we are honored to be joined by Sophie Allison, also known as Soccer Mommy. Yeah! Thank you. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us here today. And, uh, as of recording this, you're here in L.A. about to play the second of two shows at uh, with the National, the mm-hmm. beautiful Greek theater. That's a historic and stunning theater. It's been around since 1931 out here, carved into the hillside here in Griffith yeah. Park. Mm-hmm. We know what it's like to be sitting there watching shows. It's uh, just breathtaking. What is it like? I, I can imagine what it's like for you standing on stage and looking out into the pine trees and playing under the stars. Honestly, it was beautiful yeah. last night. Like we, I mean, obviously that was our first time playing there, but it was just like, yeah, you see the crowd and everything, but then there's this huge mass of 
pines out in front yeah. of you it's like honestly we've got a better view than you guys <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah. for sure True. <laughs> i was curious also who designs your tour merch like we got that picture on the on the yes. screen in here we've got a monitor up here and yeah you've got like the the cool darkness forever shirt with like mm -hmm. the witch and then yeah. the wizard motif which i love it's like my favorite one yeah who, do, who um, does it's that? justice prophet okay um designer also musician but yeah, we get him to do like all the stuff that he's, he started by doing a couple things for us. And after that, I was like everything. Wow. Do, do you ever chime in with I, ideas I or concepts? I very vague, you know, one sentence ideas sure. like frog, fairy, <laughs> nice. you know, and that's kind of like what I throw. And yeah, it just always does a great job with it. What is your relationship with LA like just in general? You can be honest. I, uh, I don't love LA. Mm -hmm. I honestly, it's partially just because I, every time I'm, I'm in the same area, which I actually like there. I stay in like Koreatown pretty yeah. much every time and I like that, but yeah, it's like, I, I don't really know it. Yeah. I don't know LA really. Despite being here so many times, every time I go somewhere, it's completely different from the last place I went. Have you ever been down to Magnolia Park in Burbank to all the like Halloween no. stores? Oh, oh, it's so cool. I yeah, this great. it's the kind of city where like I moved here from Canada in 2005 mm -hmm. and I was scared shitless when I moved here, honestly. Yeah. Like I'd seen, you know, all these pictures of L.A. and kind of a a version of it in my mind and when i got here and you land at lax and you're going through like i took a taxi to the hotel and what i saw at the window was scaring me it wasn't what i had it built yeah. up in my mind and honestly I, I wanted to move within the first six months and then i met lauren at the radio station and then she showed me just different pockets and then you build your own version of this city because it's so big and you find kind of where you fit in and then I just like I fell in love with it and one yeah. of the coolest things is like how much history is here how many old like architecture and old buildings mm -hmm. and cool places like that yeah I mean it's like any big city I think you know like the huge like because I lived in New York for two years and yeah. I, I the first year I was like this is the most depressing <laughs> Yeah, right. experience of my life and by the second year i was like i like a lot of stuff here yeah but it's just it's getting to know your area and where you like and all that stuff and yeah every time i come here i like i'm at my hotel i go to eat korean food which is awesome yeah. and then i end up in some random neighborhood yeah and i'm like i, I don't know what's going on it's <laughs> also random have you ever played a haunted venue I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've ever had someone... Uh, actually, you know what? When we were at... I think it was... We were at Auditorium Theater in Chicago. Okay. Like, very recently. Like a week ago. And they were like, it is haunted here. And it was like lots of weird sounds and stuff. I mean, I didn't see anything weird, but they were saying it was haunted. Was it like an old movie theater or something? You know, one of no, those old like palaces? No, huge, huge like theater. Like super tall, just like rows and rows of, of seats and everything going wow. up. It was it was definitely it was very old and and spooky, but I didn't personally experience anything there. I don't. I think that's pretty much it. One time we played in, uh, I think it was Amsterdam, and it was in this very strange. This isn't haunted. It was just kind of devil, devilly. Sure. Um, but it was like a, and like we had to go up into this area, and it was like a little stage, and then there was all this stained glass of like devils. Wow. It was very it was very interesting. But that it was like cool. it was like new stained glass. It was really weird. 
Wow. Did you end up taking pictures, like band pictures or anything? I think think we did. I think we all took some pictures of it. I don't think I have them anymore because I lost my phone. Oh, wow. Between then and now, but. Do you usually bring with you a writing or recording rig with you on the road or do you like staying away from that when you're touring? Honestly, I, I don't usually bring a recording rig. I've tried before and I just end up being like, you know, not really having the time or space. Sure. Um, but I I write on the road fairly regularly. And when I do so, I, I just don't really record stuff mm-hmm. until like if the idea is done and I don't have a way to record, it's fine. I'll keep it. Right. It'll be in my brain. Yeah. Or thank God, like iPhones and stuff now. Yeah. Which, you can yeah. voice voice memo it if you exactly. really want to just get exactly. it somewhere. So you've been reliving the songs on this album over and over again for about a year now, performing and also talking about them, like dissecting every nuance and very fascinating and wonderful ways, mind you, with press and publications and things of that nature and fans as well. Do you enjoy that part of it or does it begin to feel like work after a while? No, it's fine. I mean, I think it's because you don't have to prepare. Right. Or sure. like it should, and I think it's actually better if it's just off the cuff when you're talking about, you know, your music or anything, you shouldn't have an answer prepared. So it's really just, it's just like chatting with people. Mm. Easy. Mm. All you have to do is answer. As a fan of yours, I think that press is an awesome way to develop kind of an even more tangible and intimate relationship with the music by exposing some of those through lines of story to storyteller. Mm. And it is through some of that press and elements instilled in your music world that we are aware of your love of horror films. So we'd love to talk about horror for a bit now, starting with what is your earliest memory of being exposed to the genre and how did it make you feel? I, I remember the first horror movie I saw was when a stranger calls. Oh yeah. Um, that one. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is so great. And after that, I I was, I was pretty young at that point. After that, I remember I tried to watch I was like I'm gonna watch more horror movies and I watched it was called it was something it was Boogeyman something okay I don't I don't know what year it was or which one but I remember watching that and there was a scene that just irked me so bad I was like I'm never I'm no I'm done (laughs) and it wasn't even like a a kill or anything it was just like a it was just like like a someone cutting into their hand and I was like oh and I was like, I'm never doing that again. And then around high school, I got I got really back into it. <laughs> what was your journey like? Was there like somebody, a friend, or someone who was mm-hmm. instrumental and in kind of guiding? Yeah, you my friend, my friends really like start like in about high school were really liking to go see horror movies. So it was just like go see what's whatever's coming out, right? You know. Right. Um, and I think it was it wasn't until like that I got deeply into it until I started seeing more like classics sure i guess that i was like wow this is amazing like um i mean suspiria was was really big oh, wow yeah i, I really love that one uh halloween first mm-hmm. halloween mm-hmm. a lot of honestly a lot of carpentry i really like the thing too that one's great that one has some really great like just effects that looks so cool and I, once i started like seeing more and more ones that you know were just these amazing things rather than just whatever is showing in, in a movie theater yeah. that year. Um, I started diving more and being more into it. When was the first time you think you noticed music in a horror film? Honestly, it was, it was probably not until high school. Like I think um, when you, especially like, you know, when I was in high school, it was like 2013 and around then a lot of stuff, 
all of the horror was basically based on the music making you feel anxious. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like the par- paranormal activity type of stuff. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, all the horror stuff that was coming out around that time, even just these random ones that nobody would ever think of ever again. It was just all suspense being built by music. Honestly, I'm I'm a fan of that, and I'm a fan of stuff that's really, like, not using the music to to create suspense, and it's just doing it on its own. I, I like... I like both ends of the spectrum. Equal opportunity. Is there anything that you've seen recently that's blown you away? Um, you know what? I mean, I, I really loved, I did love X. I thought that was was really great. I thought that was really great kills. And speaking, speaking of him, I also house the devil from years back, man. Amazing. House of the devil. Um, That one is my favorite movie. The ending is insane. It's so good. So Did yeah, you see Pearl. Great. I haven't seen Pearl yet. Okay, I was I was traveling when Pearl came out, and I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. I think you like uh, Pearl more than X. Yeah, a lot of a thought, lot of people yeah. said that Pearl is better, so I'm excited to watch it. But yeah, there's that. Um, I really liked. Honestly, I loved Smile. Smile I thought was great. That was so good. It was I so thought creepy. The scare, yeah, the scares were actually really good. I thought it didn't get. I think I think with CGI nowadays, people can by the end be leaning into that too hard mm-hmm. and you're like ah it's lost all real realism for me and i'm not actually scared anymore yeah um but it was great that's one thing about house of the devil is yeah the lack of any of that stuff but still managing to be like just crawl under your skin i remember yes. when we first saw it i think we, we just like had it at, at home watching dvd or whatever mm-hmm. and when it stopped we didn't even oh want to move like because it stops so in a very and scary way yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh my god and we're just like what is happening i don't want to go upstairs you know put the baby to bed or whatever no we're just standing here it was crazy and the music in that is is another like i feel like just perfect so perfect it's perfect for like the era it's trying to do and especially that ending part when it all just comes back and it's like oh my god it's crazy yeah and that's just a slow build that brings you like you know even though it takes its time getting there. It's not boring for no. a second, mm-hmm. which can happen, you know, when you when you attack yeah. that material like this. And also his ability to nail that era. I haven't seen anybody nail era like he does. Actually like he did make an it X look and like Pearl it could and, be old yeah, exactly. and make it feel like that. And and also I think just it's uh it's like the babysitter thing is obviously been done a million times. Mm-hmm. But being able to make it not have this just like just irking you and every decision the person's making you're like no you know having them be able to do that without crossing into this territory of being like this is ridiculous they would have just left at this point is that's great would you say there's any moment either in a a horror movie or just you know movie in general where there's been maybe the movie in itself or a sequence particularly in the movie that made you feel some way that ended up becoming part of your own creative vocabulary, maybe subconsciously, a feeling that you strive based on what you saw that, to, oh, to yeah. kind of translate through your creativity? No, totally. I think the feeling of of suspense, especially in a horror movie, and just creating these scenery and, and a, a moment where, like even just from the beginning before there's anything menacing, it's if you feel that thing whether it's the way that the house looks or the way that the lighting or all that kind of stuff i think i find it really important to 
get a scene set, I think, with with words in in a song, um, whether it's creepy or not. But I, but I also I do have a I have a tendency to branch off and write some horror songs as well that definitely have some some effect from seeing a lot of horror movies and wanting to build that that mystery and that anxiousness and suspense. You do it very well. We'll talk about Thank some you. of those songs in a bit here. One key element that has been introduced to your presentation, so to speak, you've always had production swagger on your music, but <laughs> on this latest album, you've got, as director, you've entrusted uh, a cinematographer. Yeah. <laughs> One of tricks, point never. He's kind of your cinematographer. What did you hear in him that made you excited to see just how the cinema of your work could be elevated or unlocked? Honestly, I, I've been a fan of his for a long time. I love his ambient music. I, I love so many so much of his own albums mm-hmm. as well as like I just think he does really interesting things and gets great sounds. So I, I really wanted this record in particular. I wanted to get these band takes with my band, get this really good feel, and then be able to like add this whole you know world around it yeah. like you know have all of these sounds that are just swelling around it and i wanted to, to let it get weird i mean especially when i when i demoed having songs like darkness forever like unholy affliction demoed i was like these are not like gonna just be brought down to like a band playing these songs like we've got to do something that's more and outside of of the norm and, mm-hmm. and get that that eeriness like when we were recorded darkness forever we doing the band the live take we were just in the studio in this big live room with all the lights off and just candles lit everywhere around us at like 2 p.m for hours (laughs) (laughs) and it's just it gave it such a vibe like we're all playing really quiet you know and then getting really loud at the loud part and just trying to make it feel like this energy of like like Sabbath, I don't know, like evil. Like I think that to be able to actually capture um, that kind of heaviness without just putting ten fuzz guitars on something sure. is is really important yeah. for that kind of music. I love the way you pair that with beauty. Like mm-hmm. you, you pair it with romance and beauty. You, you, the sweet and the sour, right? You'll you'll go dissonant. You're not afraid to go dissonant, and then you'll match it with like the sweetest melody in the world where do you think that polarity comes from why do you like playing with that i've always loved that um i mean i think that there is so much beauty in the world and part of that is the intensity of feeling in both polarizing Mm. directions um you know it's the dark and the light it's it's both things and i think specifically like i just with writing I've, i've always loved it too like being able to read like things from like the romantic era that have this like really soft beauty to them but like when there is a moment of like violence or harshness that can be so extreme that it makes you just feel strange and overtaken by it um which is honestly why i love frankenstein so much because i think it pairs the two perfectly in this beautiful way where you're feeling so many emotions and it's also goes from being really hopeful to really like terrified and dark and it's yeah, I, I love the kind of blend between those things. Do you have a favorite place to write? I mostly just write in my house, honestly. Like I, I'll sit up in my bed or I'll sit on the couch, and I'll have my usually acoustic guitar. And I'll honestly, I could be watching TV, I could be doing anything, and I'm 
just playing, looking for a, a chord progression I like. And once I get that and I get the feeling of that, everything starts flowing with it. And it's like, all you need from there is like a, a hook to let the lyrics all spill out around. Oh. Your melodic sense is so remarkably unconventional on any of the songs really that you've ever done. Um, I'll pick some random ones off this new album, like a new demo, one of my favorites or shotgun. You're constantly kind of veering to unexpected note resolution. And the way you play with that tension triggers that feeling of the hairs kind of standing up on the back of your neck and gives you chills really when you hear it. What is your relationship kind of to conjuring melody? What do you think or feel guide you to make the choices that you do? I think it's really important to me that the the melody and the lyrics come together mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, obviously you can tweak the lyrics after you've got some ideas, but you know, I like to base it with finding guitar chords I like. Oh, interesting. That will give me the inspiration for melody and I like it to come together because I think that having that that flow, that natural flow with a melody and the lyrics you're singing is super important or it can feel just clunky and, and not right. Um, but I think it's, it's pushing, it's pushing yourself constantly. Like I think I get a lot of melody from the chords, you know, I get these ideas of thing types of things I could sing from the chord structures I've got and the resolutions there. Um, but yeah, I just, I like to push myself to not, you know, just find a, a chord progression and, want to just roll with that through the whole song mm-hmm. most of the time. I think that having huge shifts um, is really important to keeping it interesting and, and to just making it the best song it can be, you know? Do you listen to a lot of film scores? I mean, obviously you're absorbing them through, you know, watching a lot yeah. of horror movies too. It seems to come out in your music. Would you say that that's a, a oh, true statement? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love, like, I mean, like I already said something about Halloween, but that is yeah. like an amazing score. Um, I think Suspiria too is so oh, yeah. cool. I mean, that's that's probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest scores ever done. Great, if not the. Um, and I think, yeah, you get it's all creating moods in the same way. And I think to again to keep it interesting, you have to shift. And so, yeah, I mean, I I listen to some of those. I really love the. This isn't horror, but I love the score to Fantastic Planet. Yeah, that one's an amazing one. Um, so yeah, I listen to some scores. I do listen to like classical music sometimes and jazz and stuff, non-lyrical yeah. stuff, um, which I think can be a really nice break after you've been just listening to a bunch <laughs> of lyrical music and <laughs> singing sure. all the time. It can be really nice. Yeah, and all um, that stuff yeah. comes out in such wonderful ways. Mm, yeah. Is it is it hard to find time to sit and make sure that you're not only writing but consuming like do you take time to just go i'm not, not going to write i'm just going to watch movies i'm going to listen to things honestly i i watch a lot of movies and tv i i used to not watch that many movies except for going to the theater yeah um but now i'll just middle of the day i'll just put on a movie <laughs> like instead of watching i run out of tv shows i'll, I'll put on a movie so I, I do that i have regal pass so I go a lot. Very cool. As well, um, I went to the movies this weekend. You know, what'd you see? I saw Little Mermaid. Oh, cool! How was it? I hear it's amazing. I actually thought it was really good. I thought it had a couple flaws compared to the original, but I thought it was it was better than I thought it was going to be. 
Everyone's been saying the 3D experience of it is insane. I didn't get to go. I wanted to go to 4D, but my friend... It's playing in 4D? Oh, yeah. No oh, We saw our first movie in 4D a couple weeks 4D ago. It's crazy. It's nuts. What was yeah. it? Scream, Scream 6, right? Yeah. Oh, oh I yeah. loved that. Yeah. I thought that was really good. It was in 4D. Yeah. It was insane. I mean, yeah, you could okay. put anything in 4D. I think it's the best okay. thing I've ever yeah, seen. I know. It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> like the seats go up in the hydraulics and stuff. Yeah, and the, oh, I know. It, I mean, it, it will jerk you around. Yeah. It is not... Not planned. What have you yeah. seen in 40? Is there a, like one that stands I out? I saw um, the crazy, the craziest one. I saw, I saw Venom two. Okay, wow. And I also saw the last Spider-Man movie, and that was probably too much. Oh well, yeah, I can imagine. Swinging like around, freaking ride. Just, just a lot. Um, but yeah, I saw James Bond in in 4D, which is kind of pointless. <laughs> I found. I think I saw one other thing. I can't remember what it was. So I, I love them. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. that it's it's like a whole experience. Do you like going to haunted houses and like going to, I don't know if you've ever been to Universal Horror Nights. You probably got something like that in Nashville, fun. right? I haven't, I haven't been to Universal Horror Nights. I've only done one haunted house in my life. I did like it. I, every Honestly, every year I've been busy on Halloween. It's really upsetting to me. <laughs> I ask Mac all the time to make sure we have Halloween off. It doesn't happen. Um, that's like been my favorite holiday growing up. Like at my parents' house when I was a kid, we had the house where it's like five fog machines and like oh, yeah. fucking my mom's dressed as a witch and like there's like cackling noises that's and like great. there's like monsters that like move and stuff in the yard and doing all this stuff. It was like it was a huge deal. At our house for Halloween. Wow, your mom's my hero. Yeah, let me tell you, decorating that stuff and then oh, taking it oh, down. Oh, it's the worst. Taking it down, I'd rather just toss it all. Every year. Oh my God. Sometimes around Stop. Halloween, I'd walk into to her house and just like walk in, walk in the run of the rooms and it's like five things are just like go off. Like Oh, yelling. that's awesome. And I'd be like, oh my God. Oh my God. And like, there'd be like, we actually had my grandfather on my dad's side was a doctor in like you know obviously way back yeah so we have all these like actual real skulls oh baby that's skull, cool that's like, crazy adult skull that she'll put out on the table in like these display cases oh that's amazing i'm down yeah. do you dress up for halloween oh yeah oh yeah I, last year we were playing a show <laughs> of course um so i had to keep it mild but i was uh actually i had just dyed this blonde strip in my hair and i was rogue from x-men oh very cool and julian was uh wolverine so <laughs> so we did that um yeah i mean i i dress up pretty much every year i've done like x-files matrix all that kind of stuff um i really want to do we may or may not doing some be doing something music related on halloween so let's just i don't want to i it's nothing that's announced okay so good I'm not stuff share it but I might be doing something on Halloween. I might be busy, is my point. And, and I would love to do, like, I really want to do, like, prosthetics. Oh, my gosh, Just, yeah. like, full goblin energy. <laughs> I just want to be terribly ugly on stage. The Boo Crew will be right back. Once you know its secret, nothing can protect you from Suspiria. She must die. Suspiria, the most terrifying film you've ever heard. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parents. 
wanted to go back to the production element and kind of creating what I find like unholy affliction sounds like you're literally walking through a haunted house. If you close your eyes, it takes you on, on a haunted house journey. Can you talk about like that song in particular, like just how that was built? Yeah. So, I mean, when I demoed it, I was really, really into this vibe um, at the time. And, and I think I find it really interesting to take like these like evils in the world, yeah. like real evils and try to morph them into this sense of, you know, fantastical evil. Sure. Um, so Which I is really what great horror do movies that. do. Yeah. yeah, totally. I really wanted to do that with, you know, where the lyrics were going and everything. I wanted it to feel evil and haunting and and like a, you know, fantasy version of just feeling, you know, taunted and overtaken by things that are bad around you. Um, so yeah, it actually, that was like the second day in the studio is when we recorded really? that. Really? Wow. And yeah, I had, the demo I had made was basically just like a, a band kind of doing this thing. It's very moody, grungy. And Dan actually had been like messing around the night before at his uh, hotel and was like, I have this thing we could try because I had sent him the demo stems. So yeah, actually that song, the vocal is the, from the demo actually. Oh no way. Fact, yeah, there's little pieces from the demo that because he made this whole thing that's basically like the first half of the song and then Rollum, my drummer, just went in and went crazy on the drums and we kind of chopped it in this crazy way we had like two full versions that we cut and melded together kind of um to create this shift in mood now seeing as that was like the second day in your studio in the in the studio working on this project was it one of the first tracks that you really heard what dan could do oh with yeah your stuff? oh yeah because the one we had done before the day before was we were working on um bones yeah which is pretty Pretty straightforward. And we just got a live take of it. So yeah. we hadn't really done any production stuff at all, any synths, any, you know, extra washy guitars, cool stuff like that. It was just, you know, the band playing the song really straight. So, yeah, when we came in that day, it was suddenly like, oh, yeah, here we go. Wow. Things are going to get crazy and in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah. How did you manage to continue that trajectory throughout the album, make everything sound so interesting and every song be its own character, but still maintain that cohesiveness of what would be the sound of the album without straying too far outside of it. Totally. I mean, it's hard. I will say yeah. you have to be serious about it and really want the album to sound cohesive. You can't yeah. be thinking this should sound like this and this over here should be totally different. You have to have things that tie them in. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, it was it was like the overdubs and the sound of the live, like the sonics of the live sure. recordings yeah. mixed with getting these overdubs that whether it's a song that is feeling dark and menacing and evil and intense and distorted or something that's like new demo that's super light and flourishing, you know, just strangeness, I think. Yeah. Strangeness can be clean and beautiful, but it's just there's something different about this, you know, this the way this uh, line comes out of it, you know, maybe it's like got a warp on it or some kind of weird tones that you can have floating throughout the entire record, whether it's something that's heavy and dark or something that's very light. Um, it's, it's that kind of stuff that really can pull everything together. Mm. Were there any tracks that were recorded that didn't make it onto the album? No, I never do that. 
Really? Yeah, I, I don't. I have yet to have a B side. I would love to do it. <laughs> like an intentional. In the future, yeah, I just hold one back. It's like the kind of thing where if I if I know I like it, I I want it in there, and if it doesn't fit, I don't. It's not part of the record, you know. Mm. Um, but I will say, following eyes was added late. That one was added late. I actually wrote it in between. We had two recording sessions. We had like five days and then in March. And then in May, we came back and did like a couple weeks and, and did most of most of the record. Me and Dan like, you know, finished up some like editing, mixing type stuff later on. But between the two sessions, I wrote Falling Eyes and I was like, it has to it has to go. Yeah, like, it I think so well. And, and I think it just balances out the... Um, the amount of like darkness, evil, energy, fantasy, and lighter stuff that you know is also kind of like some of it is also fantasy y, but it's yeah. not evil and, and dark. Um, so I, I think that really balanced it out. But that was a late edition, and I've never done that. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the lyrics on that song read like a classic Victorian horror that was novel. The hope. Yeah. That's what I, was, what I was going for. I wanted a, a ghost story. Huh. Would End you ever record in a haunted house? Oh yeah. <laughs> what do you think that would do to the the music? How would it affect I it? I hope it would give it a vibe. I mean, I guess it depends on how haunted also. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because I'm also like, I don't wanna <laughs> You don't like mess I, with it too much. <laughs> well, I just I, I don't wanna step I don't wanna yeah. step yeah. all over their vibe sure. and be like you know, oh like let's like do something weird, you yeah. know, to a ghost. Have you ever um, seen a ghost? Yes, I would say so, in a sense. I mean, I think that the way I believe in ghosts, it's not necessarily like this, like, ooh, yeah, yeah, that's coming vision, out. Yeah. But I've definitely, I definitely had, like, experiences, like, visitation, kind of, and feeling a, a presence sure. there with me. And in dreams, I've had sleep paralysis, too. And oh, wow. feeling that kind of, that's not a ghost, though, but yeah. feeling those kind of presences that are very like kind of an enigma like it's not a clear figure and shape and stuff but just getting that that energy yeah, yeah yeah do you think songs can be haunted i mean it, when i listen to your album that's what it, it gives a vibe it's a haunted record do you think songs can be haunted i don't know um i think they can hold that haunting feeling i don't know that they could you know pass along a sure you know, any kind of energy. But I think, yeah, if it's like born from that, there can definitely be that energy there. Like, I feel like, I feel like some of the songs, specifically Darkness Forever, was very born from that mm. feeling of something watching and lurking and yeah. being around you. And I can still feel it when I sing the song. Like, I, I remember it, you know? A short while ago, you ended up doing a song for Floria Sigismondi's film, The Turning, which is an incre incredible woman, first of all, mm -hmm. and an incredible movie. Yeah. How did that transpire? And did you get any direction from them on what they wanted you to do? I got mild. Basically, they, I mean, they just emailed pretty much, you know, being like, hey, we're doing this soundtrack for this yeah. movie. Would your artist be interested or whatever? Mac sent it to me. Um, and I was like... Yes, I, that sounds awesome. I had to I had to write the song for it though. It was you know specific. wasn't Do you have anything you'd like to throw here? It was, it was very specific, and they kind of gave me some vibes like grungy '90s kind of dark raw yeah. feeling. And I was like, got it. I can try this. 
and yeah, I mean, I actually, I love that song I got out of it. Oh, I was beautiful. super into it. It was really fun. It was just like really, really fun recording it too. It was like cool to go in. That was kind of the first, one of the first heavier songs I was getting to do. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had gotten a little bit of a taste for it and was liking it a lot and wanting to go there more. So it was, it was really fun to like mess around. This is the only time I've ever written something for a thing. Sure. Not just out of, you know doing it for myself did they show you like did you get to see the movie in advance or anything like that i did i went the to the actually here oh cool we, me and um julian went to the it was at what's the, the theater on the strip it was it the uh chinese theater yeah maybe? yeah, yeah. Chinese chinese. Theater. yeah. so yeah i was there and it was just yeah screening beforehand and it was like i mean it was also really just very cool to actually see a song like in the movie of course i can't even you know, imagine being able to be like oh here's the part yeah <laughs> Um, but I definitely saw it like four times just with all my friends. <laughs> sure. So. Would you ever want to score a horror film? Absolutely. Oh my God. I totally would. Yeah. That'd be a dream. It'd be a dream to not have to write something, especially once you take lyrics away, there's so much, it's all about just making sonic things you like because, mm-hmm. you know, as a singer, I have to write these lyrics I like and everything, but with melodies and stuff, I also have to be considerate of what can I sing? What will sound good with my voice? You know, what will feel natural and sound natural? But when you're writing it not from a perspective of singing, it frees up a lot of stuff. Wow, that would be, I mean, it would be incredible to hear what that would sound like. Is there any directors in particular that you would love to work with in that that capacity? Um, I mean, I think, I think, like, if they were to make another X movie, I would totally do that. Yeah. You know? um, but I don't know. It would For me, it would more have to do with the film, I think, if I thought the idea was interesting and something that I could fit myself into, you know? Um, because you, you never know. And it can be so... What someone is asking can be, even within something creepy and eerie and horror it could be entirely different from something I do. So, um, yeah, I would, I guess it would kind of depend on a lot of factors. We got to talk about Jennifer's body as yes. we were mentioning it, as we were walking. <laughs> I was also going to say that oh, they are ahead. filming the third, the Maxine. Oh yeah. The third oh, chapter. Actually, in I, X. Did, I actually did know that, that yeah. they were doing that. Oh my so God. So 80s. If they I, haven't done the music yet. Yeah. Soccer mommy. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Can send examples. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> come on, Ty. Ty West, yeah, man. Come, come on, on, buddy. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, back to, so Jennifer's body. We, we have a shared love of that movie. Uh, you know, it's, it's a movie that when it first came out in 2009, it was a, kind of lauded as a critical flop, flop? Yeah, yeah everyone thought it was terrible which is crazy because i mean it was so far ahead of its time i remember mm-hmm. when we first saw it we loved it right from the get-go do you remember the first time you saw it i didn't see it till way later i mean i was really young in 09 i was like 12 wow yeah so i i did not see it when it came out i remember it coming out and being like what is that but i was too young to go see that um but yeah i didn't see it until probably college sure and it was like this is amazing. What were the things that like you initially remembered just being so cool about it? Yeah, I mean, it was like, I was, I mean, I was probably like 20, for reference, I was probably like 22, 20, no, 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 probably like 21, something like that. And to me, it just, it, it was hilarious, for one. 
I loved the gore. I really did. Like, it was just every kill. I, I think that's, in a horror movie, like, the kills have to be good. The filler, kind of, it doesn't matter as much. <laughs> like, if people are bad at acting, whatever. The kills are great, I'm in. And the kills are so good, and it just has this, uh, I love the, the succubus idea of it's like she's it's kind of like reversing this this role of like dangerous seduction and it was awesome and i loved the fact that i mean there's i could dissect it for forever but i loved the fact that she was killing all these people but was never gonna touch her friend it was just like this you know it wasn't about just like over you know conquering hunger it was like not caring about all these guys yeah. and, and letting it be them kind of and i i don't know that was that was always really cool and exciting about it the wordplay is so unique in that yeah. film like the way it was written diablo cody wrote the script it kind of invented a language of her very own mm-hmm. and it's all over that movie and it, it uh really kind of fires the synapses in your brain because you're yeah. you're hearing this interesting vernacular everything's so exciting about it but it feels so connected to kind of everything that's going on and uh, it was ahead of its time in that respect because it was things that people knew but weren't talking about yet they weren't ready to have that conversation yet yeah yeah i know it has a it has a a funniness to it that's also very like you know fuck yeah yeah about it like you know just these like little sass it's like honestly it it's Kind of Buffy-ish. Yes. I would say these one-liners, you know, right before you're going to kill somebody. Like this kind of like snarky stuff mixed in with just vicious eating people's heads and yeah. bodies. <laughs> do you have one, before we go, because we got to talk about Buffy. Do you have one favorite scary moment in Jennifer's body that you can remember in particular? I mean... I, I do love the the um, luring that one like emo kid into the house and yeah. it's like <laughs> super just disgusting in there when he gets there. That was crazy. That one was really awesome. Yeah, that one in particular has that flash because it's going back between, again, the sweet and the sour, right? That romantic kind of uh, innocent love scene mm-hmm. between Needy and, and Chip and then what she's doing to this emo kid. And then Needy has that vision of Jennifer in full demon form kind of sitting there crouched yeah. next to it's like the crazy. dead football player. It's so awesome. That one just frame is like terrifying. Yeah. Also, when Needy kind of comes back to the house and jennifer's like unbeknownst to her in yeah the just kitchen. after yeah yes. that one is very creepy and she's got that big she's smile like, on her yeah, face she's just the blood scared the shit yeah even more creepy in terms of how that movie is presented is that at that moment we don't know what happened exactly to jennifer exactly and they don't reveal it till later and it just we know something has scary. gone down but yeah. we don't know until we that it's you know we don't know really what's going exactly. on. Exactly. I thought that was a genius move because mm-hmm. it just let your imagination kind of run wild. And it was so, so freaking scary. I will say that it's worth watching with the closed captions on because I've seen that movie so many times. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't till the live read that I noticed there were lines that I didn't hear before. Like I missed them. Oh, interesting. And so I've want to watch it with the closed caption on just so you get can everything. see get everything yeah there's so much packed into it yeah and yeah you touched on buffy 
was that a big part? Were you a huge fan of that show? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's probably one of the reasons that I am so interested in that kind of stuff because mm. I was fairly young. I mean, I, I grew up in a household where it was lots of fantasy and sci-fi yeah. from a young age. And that that was a big one that we all watched. And just my sister got into it first, my older sister. And then everyone started watching it. And we were all just like, I mean, it's probably my favorite show ever. I probably haven't seen a show more than that. Wow. Uh, especially and- those, those first three seasons are really where it's hidden, if we're being honest. <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode? I think uh, it'd be hard for me to say to pick a favorite, but probably one that I go back to the most is Bad Girls. That's a good one. That's a great one. That is a really I love good it. One. I mean, I, Faith is one of my favorite characters. She is awesome. What, I love her. Eliza Dushku. Yeah. What did you think of Once More with Feeling? Um, you know, I did. I, I don't go back and watch it. wow i'll say that i think so the the way if i'm really breaking it down seasons one through three i could watch all day over and over and over again four four is pretty good five and six it's falling off for me i will you know i still love the show and the characters and everything i think seven was like the the pinch hitter there that came back and like was awesome in my opinion but yeah I, i don't go back to the to like five and six very much to be honest it gets a little uh it's not as like goth anymore it, yeah. it gets just a little ridiculous sometimes a little more sitcommy but to each his own you know i like the prom that's one of my oh, favorite that's a great one yeah episodes it's really it's good so one. good and then the you writing sh- you show me hush uh, hush is that what it's called that episode yeah oh, with, hush the gen- is great. with the gentleman great. oh my god that one is so, so creepy what season is that that's four, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's four. Yeah, that one's freaking scary as hell. And that was back when like watching TV was like an event, right? Because yeah. you couldn't like, you know, on demand that shit. You had to be there that certain night and you know, at that time. Then you used to get together and like have have a group of people who would watch it, right? It's like a regular thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And yep. filmed filmed right down the street here, right? At the Warner Brothers uh studio lot. Yeah. Do you know that there's a Buffy costume? Up for auction at the prop store auction. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Like a like a leather leather pants and <sighs> it's not. It's just just something that she wore just on a regular the, thing. Yeah, I think it's like like a skirt that's plaid and a shirt. Like you don't it's weird because it went on forever. You would think that you would see like tons of Oh yeah, stuff. costumes and yeah. stuff. Yeah, that would made it out of yeah. But you yeah. don't see a lot out there. We ended up seeing uh, speaking of faith. Oh, God, stop. It's like, oh, no, my God. Don't. A beautiful framed stake of faiths. Like wow. the frame was beautiful. The frame in itself, it was worth just getting for the frame. But to have faith stake in there and, the, you know, a matted picture of her holding it and everything. Oh, my God. That was a, like a big regret of ours. <laughs> We're always <laughs> watching that shit. Yeah. Are you much of a collector yourself? No, no. I, like, I mean, musical instruments. Okay, so <laughs> this know. stuff, this aesthetic, hasn't worked its way into your no, not really. Home I life. mean, I at my last house, I had very goth decor, and as I moved into a house with more space, uh, I kind of went more for fairy like and and warm colors. Yeah, because like, I, I like both. Um, but I I do love candelabras. I'm a big fan of that. You know, I, I like having 
old mirrors and picture frames and stuff. I, lo I do love that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think I will uh, decorate my whole house in, f in full goth. I think it would just take too much <laughs> do-over, yeah, to be yeah. honest. My house is very, like, lots of natural light, like, you know, kind of peachy walls, like, very warm. Yeah. And, like, light wood. So, I'm like, I think if I was going to try to do that, it would take forever, and it would be a lot of breakables for my cats. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. That's true. Yeah, you just yeah. try with a bunch of kids, and oh, my oh, God, yeah. it's some scary stuff. <laughs> do you find you're going to antique stores and stuff like that? I mean, oh, candelabras I and shop things. at antique stores. Yeah? Yeah. Is there some good ones out in... I mean, oh, do you yeah. do it on the road, too? Yeah, or do you... a ones. I don't do it on the road, usually. It's just kind of... Occasionally I do if we're like buy something like right by the venue or by where we're staying yeah. and have off time, but I don't do it much because it's just, I'm too worried about dragging that stuff sure. home. It's not even transporting it home. It's more like this is just going to be sitting with us for like two weeks. Exactly. It's going to keep getting <laughs> yeah. like a jacket thrown on it or like, you know, stuff like that. So I don't really do that, but my, near my house, there's a, a great antique mall. Oh God! So I, I go to that a lot. Best. I get so much stuff from that, but I just love like old stuff. Yeah, what like, is it about Victorian old stuff that you love? Stuff. I don't. It's just so intricate. Yeah, and and delicate, and I don't know. Rather than just like, I really don't like mod. You know, than yeah. just like something very like. That's it. It's just like there's no details to it. Kind of. I I would so much rather prefer a chair that's like. You know, this like throne and has like gold lining. Like I, I really, I mean, if I could live in a like Victorian Gothic leaning household, I totally would entirely. But um, instead, I just try to do a balance. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, it's like when it comes to that stuff, they just don't make things like they used no, they to. Don't. It's crazy they because don't. it's it was made better. It was there's more art to it. <laughs> it's crazy. Like even just like. We found that in just getting someone to do wood paneling in a house, there's no one really who even does it anymore. They don't yeah. even know how to do it because everybody wants to rip that stuff out. And yeah, that's, that's it's sad. Not, yeah. uh, it doesn't go with the current current vibe that everybody's into, which, yeah, yeah. it is sad. But it's, it's also like, I mean, I just think that stuff, especially like old chairs and like tables and stuff, it, it has more flair. The chairs are so much comfier. I have this, I have a chair that's, you know, an armchair that's got this interesting design and it's got some like, you know, some detailed like gold pieces and stuff like that, um, that my cat is slowly destroying. <laughs> and I love to sit in it and have my legs over one side and you can put your head on the other. Oh, that's awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> so much better than like a, a modern chair. Right, something from Ikea one. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, as we come to the end here, what is next for you? You have any other plans? I mean, you've... Uh, there might be, may or may not be something going on in Halloween, <laughs> yeah. something to look out for. Anything else kind of in the in the realm of, I mean, this tour keeps going for a while, right? Yeah, we're, we've got, we're on this for like a week, so it's not, okay. it's not that bad. Um, we're going to be home for a minute, but yeah, I mean, honestly, there's some touring this summer. Just working on album, trying to get the next album recorded, you know? Very cool. Yeah. Do you think you'll return with uh, the same producer on this one or branching out? Um, I feel like likely not as like I uh, I love Dan. Um, I just think this album isn't going in that direction. Sure. And I know he's super busy. I, hopefully one day we'll do another together, though. I think we'll leave 
on this note, I would love to for you to give maybe a horror recommendation, maybe something that you don't think people have seen that they might really want to go out and check out. Ah, interesting. Um, one that I saw for the first time recently that I really loved, um, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen this, but it's not his most popular work, uh, but Deep Red, I loved. Wow. I really liked that. Yeah. It was really good. And I mean, if you're getting, if you want to get really weird, some of the less accessible David Lynch movies are very terrifying. <laughs> wow. Draw, is, any in particular, if someone was new to um, the world of Lynch? Well, I mean, like, obviously, like, I love Mulholland Drive and that mm-hmm. has a dark ending, but I'm thinking of, like, Lost Highway's great. Oh, wow. Yeah. That one's super good. And that one is so scary at the, at the beginning. And. Inland Empire is the long one I'm talking about. Okay. Inland that Empire. one, I actually got those on DVD at a bookstore recently. <laughs> used bookstore, but um, yeah, that one, Inland Empire is haunting. Ooh. It's like basically, I mean, the whole plot of it is that um, it's like a, you know, the description you would get if you searched it is like a famous actress signs on to do a remake of a haunted film. And they're doing this remake, but it's very... It's very confusing a lot of the time, but it's just kind of, you know, this strange, like, time, like, stuck in a time warp. Like, oh, that's cool. Kind of strange dimensional thing, but it's it's very creepy. I'm excited to he check has, it out, yeah. He knack for creepy. I mean, I think it's, it's not, it's in as much of his bigger works, I feel like, aren't as creepy as some of the, some of those. Very Lost cool. In Inland Empire. Well, you heard it here first. And then we're going to check those out too. Excellent. Well, Sophia, on behalf of fans everywhere, I mean, thank you so much for all that you do and for sharing your music with us. Yeah, thank you. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 387. Special thanks to Sophie Allison, a.k.a. Soccer Mommy. Get her latest album, Sometimes Forever, everywhere now, and find Soccer Mommy on tour near you. For tickets and more, it's SoccerMommyBand.com. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman5000. Till next time, on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, it is the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.